You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to the Morning Startup, where we believe you can develop neural pathways that will awaken you to a full heart and clear mind. Live with joy, health, and success. I'm your host, Michael Oliver, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Deborah Dyack and Maria Gosher. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> we are super excited to have Bobby Johnson with us this morning. Uh, we have been planning this for a while, so I'm really glad that you're here. Um, Bobby is the founder and owner of Colors of the Wood, located in downtown Northville, and we're going to hear more about the company of it, of it, of in itself. Uh, but just briefly, uh, Colors of Wood is a woodworking company based in downtown Northville, and uh, Bobby specializes in kitchen and home decor items for homes, businesses, and special events, uh, which could be weddings and other things uh, like that, cutting boards, serving trays, bottle openers, coasters, and end tables. Um, Bobby and the work that he does utilizes over 26 unique species of hardwoods to build a wide variety of products. And, uh, and, and they, they are, they are beautiful. And we'll talk more about that later about in the show about all the different patterns and designs. And that's one of the things I'm going to hit on with you a little bit later is to talk about how you come up with these patterns and designs, because I think that they're really fascinating about the process and how you do that. Um, but there's more than just featuring a woodworking company. And here at Mintation, we love stories that feature people who are doing work that brings them joy. Because when you find joy in work and life, everything shifts to a living with a full heart and clear mind, which is why we have Bobby with us here today. So one of the things that uh, I was interested in having you share, Bobby, is because finding joy in the work that you do wasn't always happening for you. Sure. That, that was something that evolved over time. So I thought that maybe to jumpstart this conversation off a little bit, can you share with us what you did before Colors of the Wood and yeah. um, and then kind of what led you to making that shift and then opening up uh, opening up Colors of the Wood? Yeah, yeah. you got it. Well, <laughs> first of all, thank you for having me and I appreciate the, the intro there. It's uh, always a pleasure working with you guys. Thanks. We've c- created quite a connection over the yep. years here. Um, so I just truly appreciate it, you guys. Oh, you're very but, welcome. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, you said it, Michael. I, uh, I haven't always been doing woodworking. It's actually pretty new for me, all things considered. I've been woodworking for about three and a half years now. Um, and before that, I had a pretty normal career path. I did the four year degree, graduated from U of M with an economics degree, mm -hmm. went off to Chicago, and I did commercial insurance out there for a year, came back home to Michigan, stayed in insurance for some time, um, and then my career actually pivoted into actuarial work. Um, I started doing work um, with like pension calculations, retirement type work, and it was always something that fit my brain, and I was (laughs) good at but I never particularly enjoyed. Was that um, all the calculation stuff that, yeah. you, is that like your brain works more in like that mathematical way? Exactly. Yeah. 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 A lot of math, a lot of spreadsheets. Oh my goodness. Like 
especially towards the tail end of my career, I was just buried in spreadsheets a day <laughs> over day over day, just calculations. And I have always enjoyed retirement planning and that sort of <laughs> thing. But when you're in the nitty gritty calculations of pension plans all yeah. day, every day, yeah. it just, it wasn't fitting my brain anymore. Right. And I honestly wasn't sure where I was going to pivot or I didn't really even have a plan to pivot. Okay. Um, but I started woodworking after my first son was born. I was busy with work. I was busy with him and I needed a little escape. So I started woodworking in the garage just for fun. And I, I, it's a funny thing. I would say like, I would go to my job and I would work for eight, nine hours and I would feel every five minutes pass. And then I would come home and I would have my family time and that would go by in a blur and my son would go to bed and I'd go out in the garage and I'd build and I could be out there for four hours and it felt like five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's kind of a cool example of when you're doing something that Mm -hmm. you're passionate about that you enjoy. Time is irrelevant. It really is. I find it. And that was that wake up call. So, so that's when you started realizing that. Well, so that's interesting. When you were out in the workshop working, yeah, did it make your job feel more heavy or cumbersome? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like absolutely like that's what changed something in my brain to make me realize how little I was enjoying my career oh. because that was making me aware of feeling that time pass, feeling the work of what I was. You're doing. able to see the difference. What gave be- you the pivot? Yeah. yeah. What gave you the uh, the courage to actually make that pivot? Because that's pretty yeah. huge. Yeah, that's a big. You yeah. know, I honestly so. When we had our first son, um, he was born prematurely. He was born 10 and a half weeks early, and we spent about two weeks in the hospital with him. And it was during that time that I shifted in life in so many ways and like, what really is important in life? Where are you going to focus your energy and your time? And more so than that, what example do you want to be? When you have kids, all of a sudden, you're really forced to think about what do I want to portray the world as for them? And one of the biggest pieces that ultimately helped me make that jump to quit my job and to really pursue it was that I want to be able to tell my kids to pursue their dreams and do Mm -hmm. what they love. Mm -hmm. And how can I tell my boys to do that if I'm not doing that myself? If I'm driving to a job that I hate every day and then coming home and saying, James, follow your dreams, Mm -hmm. do what you love, that's hypocritical. So I think that push and that for him to be able to portray that to him is what kind of changed that in my head. And then I figured, what's the worst that can happen? I get a new job. I go work in a different office if this doesn't work out. But at least I can say to him for the rest of his life, I tried to pursue my dreams. Mm -hmm. That dream didn't work out for me, but there's other ones. And fortunately enough, so far, it's panning out. (laughs) So, But that's not to say I would never pivot again if it was Mm -hmm. the right decision for me and my family. Um, But I'm just crazy fortunate that I get to go out in the workshop and build the things that I love and then other people appreciate them. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. It's the coolest thing. Yeah. <laughs> so Michael talks uh-huh. about your um, business and I would just like to know what were the steps that led, like, 
I know it didn't happen overnight where you first decided yeah. this is your passion. Yeah. So then what was what were the steps that you took to where you ended up yeah, in this amazing Yeah, yeah. It's gradual. It all happened for me fairly quickly, but gradually at the same time. Um and a lot of it really comes down to timing in the end. So when I quit my job, that was the first big step like uh, we had done one art festival and we saw the reaction to our work for the first time and i uh, felt like it was real but we were never sure so i quit my job and i quit like at the worst time it was right in the middle of the winter when we had no art show (laughs) scheduled or like any means to sell or you know get our work out there and so i kind of started panicking like as the (laughs) as the spring wore on And I got to the point where I started applying for other jobs. And I went through a series of three or four interviews with a financial planning company. And they offered me a job. And I accepted the job. And that next week, I was going on vacation with my family. Um, So we left on our trip. And while I was down there on vacation, I just started feeling that, like... I'm about to go sit in an office every day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I literally called them while we're on vacation. And I just said, I'm sorry, I can't do this. Yeah. And it was like, I I didn't have a plan. I just knew I couldn't (laughs) do that. And not two weeks after we returned from that trip, my wife and I were walking through downtown Northville. And we came across this window with a sign that said, for lease. And we looked in the window, and we were like, whoa, we're opening a store. We're, we got to do this. Amazing. Before we saw that sign in the window, we had no ambition of opening a store. We figured we'd stick with art shows, stick with online. But when we saw that space, it just clicked. And because I had turned down the other job, we were in a position to jump on it. We had the opportunity. That's awesome. So a lot of it's luck in, in so many ways and just and just timing. And then another piece of it is uh, I originally did a lot of my building at the Village Workshop, um, which is a little makerspace in Northville, which is actually where we are now. The building has been repurposed, and Podcast Detroit is in the building where I actually started a lot of my woodworking. And... As I used their equipment and grew my business, I realized the importance of my own equipment, and they ended up pivoting and removing all the woodworking equipment. And again, just the timing of it was perfect for us. We had just finished a really strong holiday season, and I was able to invest in that equipment myself. So to be able to transition from a business where I was paying a membership and losing that money to a business where I owned my own equipment and I had the control of how we grow grew, um, really benefited us. And I believe that if the Village Workshop were still operating, we would still have a strong business, but my business is actually now stronger because we were forced to go on our own and invest in that equipment ourselves. And so it's, it's just, it's timing. Had the Village Workshop closed, Three months previous, before that holiday season, I don't know if I could have justified sinking all of that money into the equipment because I didn't have the proof of concept yet. Mm -hmm. But after that proof of concept, I had the confidence to pull the trigger. So, (laughs) Did you, like, I I find your 
work fascinating. <laughs> Thank you. I, it really is. So, you know, when I, you know, I'm backing up, so, you know, you think about starting a company, right? You, you think about, I'm going to start this company. And so I know you were saying, like, you really didn't have a plan. You know you really weren't happy with the work that you were doing. Yeah. You would go into your workshop and you would just kind of, like, do some things in your workshop. And like, this is really joyful and four hours could pass like a blink of an eye. But what... What did you, like, what was the, like, I mean, why was it, I mean, were you making cutting boards and coasters? <laughs> I mean, what, what, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. what, what, what was it that you chose the types of um, products or the, and I know that's expanded now over time, but when you first yeah. started, when you were going into your workshop and just kind of playing around, were you building cutting boards or? Yeah. What was that? So, like, why that? Very early on, um, the reason I bought my first saw was because I wanted to make a coffee table in our house just for us. I okay. just, I have no idea why I wanted to make a coffee table. I really don't. I'd like a coffee table. <laughs> yeah, right. I just wanted to try it. Um, so I did, and I really enjoyed it. And then I made a shoe rack, and then I built actually an armoire for my son's room. And we live in a pretty small house, and all of a sudden, like, I couldn't keep making big furniture items (laughs) because we had nowhere to put this stuff. So I started making cutting boards just for us. Um, And then I would make a lot that I would give to friends and family just for free. I just wanted to build. So I'd make a cutting board and give it to someone. And the more I did that, the more people started specifically reaching out and asking, how much is this cutting board? Could you make one this size? Could you make one with this type of wood? And I didn't even... I didn't see it, like, as a business yet. Okay. I just knew that I really liked building, so I would agree to every project anyone yeah. came to me with. And then you have to invest money in some tools. Sure. And, I mean, gosh, I took on probably 12 projects at the very beginning that I made no money on because I had to buy clamps and I had to buy tools. Um, but I knew if I wanted to build this thing, then I had to buy those clamps. And so I did it and then I had more tools. And the more I did that, all of a sudden I got into a situation where I had the equipment and then it was like, okay, like, let's try an art show. Let's see what we have here. And I always joke with my wife, even still, if no one bought my cutting boards, I would not stop making them. They would be piled up in a closet somewhere in our house. I just love building them. The That's fact that other people appreciate them <laughs> and want to purchase them from us sweeter, is right? like great. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, well, I was thinking that <laughs> there must be something meditative or organic Very working with so. wood. And, and, and as corny as that may sound, but it's grounding and, and, and it's fulfilling spiritually. As well. I mean, you're working with something very natural. Absolutely. And so I, I don't know if that had an impact on your work, which, yeah. I, which is the part I love about. And even the, your name of your company, <laughs> that has to be the, your passion if you want to talk about Absolutely, that. yeah. I'm, the, the name's actually really funny. The first festival we did, we didn't really have a name. It was just <laughs> the wood things that I built, right? <laughs> Bobby Johnson and wood. We realized over the course of that show that when customers or patrons would come into our tent and we'd be talking about 
different pieces, I would say, oh, the colors of the wood in this piece, blah, blah, blah. Um, the colors of the wood in this piece, blah, blah, blah. And it was actually um, my wife's sister, when we were all kind of sitting down brainstorming names, she was like, you always talk about the colors of the wood in your pieces. And we were like, yeah, colors of the wood. It, and it just kind of stuck. <laughs> so we went with that. And that's kind of your your trademark or whatever with the colors of the wood. Yeah. Could you explain – because how do you do that? I mean, I'm not a woodworker, but I know that you always blend these beautiful colors. And yeah. What – your What's process, you're probably, yeah. you're probably thinking of the process. I am, I can't, yeah. Well, well I'm fortunate in that nature does so much of the work for me. It, it really is the truth. Wow. I use, as Michael said in the opening of the show, I use 26 different species of wood now. Wow. From all over the world, mm-hmm. Brazil, Central America, Africa, North America. Many of our woods come from right here in Michigan. And... Those colors and those grains are all so uniquely different. When I have a new pattern or design in mind, I have this stock in my workshop now where I can just pick and choose these boards based on the colors that I want to naturally pull out of the piece. And because of that, I never, in anything that I've built, I've never stained or dyed anything. I can truly rely on the natural colors. And that is really just a function of nature. If nature didn't create these yeah. beautiful trees and these beautiful colors, my pieces would be a lot less that. interesting. But because nature does such a wonderful job on the front end, I just get to cut it and reconfigure it in a different way. So that isn't stained. <laughs> Completely natural. Oh, my you goodness. You got it. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Everything you do is Well, beautiful. and I think and the, other, the other thing I, I find fascinating are your patterns. Yeah. Now, those patterns... And, and I know, and so I could just say that, you know, we don't, we don't have samples here, but if people ever wanted to check out the variety of things that Bobby does, go to his website, which is colorsofthewood.com. Yeah. You got it. Colorsofthewood.com. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, but the patterns to me are fascinating. Mm-hmm. And, and some of the work that you do, even structures in, into kind of a three-dimensional feel. Yeah. Uh, and the placement of those different species of wood within that structure is interesting. So could you talk yeah. to me a little bit about patterns? Like, do you yeah. think in patterns? Do I you do. do you do you just I, I, you know what I mean? Like, so, for <laughs> instance, if you said to me, Michael, make make me make me a board. Yeah. Like, I'd be like, oh, OK, give me a couple, you know, <laughs> glue them together. But you know what I mean? Sure. But you have this this you, uh-huh. by looking at what you produce to me yeah. it's like wow like where did that come from i'm always fascinated at how people develop this is it a dream is it you just like one day you're having coffee and you just you know you, <laughs> yeah how do how do you because they're very yeah unique. you touched on it i think one of the most amazing things about just being a human is that all of our brains are so different we think and see the world in such different ways and For whatever reason, I see the world in patterns. My entire brain works in patterns. 
And we were talking about it a little bit um, this morning, along with Maria, like Legos, right? Yeah. I played with Legos as a kid <laughs> nonstop. Like and how old, you were young, toy. though, right? You yeah, were like, I mean, like, from whatever age I was old enough to not choke on them through high school <laughs> through now. Yeah. Now you just step on them. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> I, I just like the spatial awareness and the like blank slate Legos give you. I I credit a lot of my creativity to that, as silly as it sounds, because I would just build and take something apart and build and say, take so something I find apart. That, I find that interesting because now I want to just pivot for a second because, you know, Maria, right, she's a creative, a creative designer. So did, did, did you, like... Does that align with you when you like? I was a Lego person too. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I find that interesting because I didn't know until you started talking. But I did not know you did Legos. Oh yeah, yeah. But did you? But was it similar, like in your in your thinking? Um, I followed the directions. Okay, so sure. <laughs> I wasn't a creative like a uh, you know I'm gonna build free form. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was more of a I'm gonna build this according to the instructions. Sure. I'm gonna build a massive city. And um, <laughs> so I was a visionary in that sense, but uh, I love it. Yeah, it sounds like you were more pattern oriented. That's funny. So yes and no. I think, like you said, there's so much structure in like the instructions of Legos. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like five thousand parts, and then you have it's like intense. this thing <laughs> at the end. Yeah, and so I would say, any time I got a new kit, I would always for sure follow the instructions and build it perfectly first and then within a few hours it's like how can i make this different (laughs) and how can i take this other kit and incorporate that and like make it into something totally unique it's still a car but it's a different car Mm -hmm. than what's on the box Mm -hmm. um yeah and actually i mean just the structure of following those I have a three and a half year old at home now, and he's just of the age where I can sit down with him with the instruction book mm-hmm. and watching him follow along and put those pieces in the right place. I feel like that is developing his brain in ways that so many other things cannot mm-hmm. to be able to sit down and have the focus to assemble something like that. Mm-hmm. And I think you could vouch for that now where you are with your career and, and with yeah. what you design, yeah. just the structure of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have to ask Michael <laughs> and, and also Bobby, um, I wasn't present for the beginning when, when you both began to collaborate how did the collaboration begin? And, and because it is a beautiful partnership now. It is, it is a beautiful it's... partnership. Really weird. I mean, we talk about synchronicities all the time, oh, especially with Mintation. And Bobby, you know <laughs> that we've talked at nauseum about how, how much synchronies. So yeah, help me out with this now. Your sister? Yep. So my sister, Elaine, Elaine Johnson, is good friends with Sarah Tyndall. Which is my sister's daughter. Yeah. <laughs> the universe is good. Yeah. So so they they are best friends. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you were doing a show. Uh no, you it was downtown Northville. That you, was probably our very first show. I think that was It was uh, in front of your store. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, it was in front of your store and I was walking through downtown Northville with my sister, Sarah's mom. Yeah. And she said, Oh, that's Bobby Johnson. <laughs> That's his sister is share is is um, Sarah's best friend, and at the time, Mintation was looking to do partnerships. I mean, yeah. 
Marie and I would walk around downtown Northville and we would just be like, oh, there's a label company. Let's go look at them. Sure. Or there would be a candle company. Let's go look at them. You know, we, we were just always hanging out at these shows trying to see if there was a vendor there that might have an opportunity that we might be able to partner with whatever. Yeah. So we kind of always had our antennas up for that. Sure. So when my sister was like, that's, you know, I'm going like, <laughs> okay, let's go see what he's about. And then I think I introduced myself to you. Yeah. And and then we connected by the, you know, Sarah and your Elaine's connection. And it Absolutely. was like, oh, wow. But um, And just finding that connection, yeah. like you don't know how it's going to come. And gosh, that was probably two years ago. Right. And here we are <laughs> sitting in a podcast yeah. studio talking yeah. about it. You just never know where those connections are going to lead. Analogous <laughs> to Legos, right? Yeah. <laughs> all the pieces, they all fit. They all come together. You just yeah. have to find them, but they come. I swear this isn't a sales pitch to get Lego no. to send me about yeah, free right. stuff. No, right. <laughs> like, oh, wouldn't that be wouldn't funny? Wouldn't hurt. No. <laughs> <laughs> but it is. I mean, all the pieces do come together, and I just think it's such a beautiful partnership. Yeah. Especially where well, what's things really, keep moving. And what's really nice is, like, especially with with um, with with Bobby, um, anytime that we have an idea about wanting to do something, it can be really a sketch. You know, like, sometimes you have to go and talk to someone, and it's like you have everything laid out, you know, like, whether it's a box and you got to have measurements laid out and everything like with Bobby, we can go in and just say like, Hey, you know, we're, we're, we got this deck of cards and we're looking for like a card stand of some sort. And Bobby will be like, Oh yeah, well we could do this. And and you know what I mean? It's like, we can just have this real open conversation about basically brainstorming and, you know, you, your ideas are really amazing how you can just come, you know, you come up with these things. And then, so again, it's, we, or we'll see something like the coasters, great example, right? Yeah. You said, you came up with that. You said, well, you know, like I have these coasters and you pulled the coasters out and you're like, we could put your logo on that. We Absolutely. could burn it in with the laser. And I'm going, Bobby, that's great. We could do that. <laughs> Well, it works amazing. both ways, too, because you guys have come to me with so many amazing ideas, and you guys have had the trust in me to say, yeah, yeah. this is generally what we want. Yeah. How should we go about creating it? Yeah. When you came to me for the card stands um, yep. to be able to display the meditation cards, I had been making candle holders. Um, I had just started making those a month or two previous, and we all looked them together and were like, yeah. this is it. Yeah. We just need to remove these holes cut a slit and we have a card stand yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so it goes both ways for you guys to have these ideas and yeah. this vision and then i'm fortunate enough to help you guys yeah. make them tangible and make them real yeah. that's the best kind of partnership yeah. and it's the synchronicity of it which which i think is really fascinating i mean it's really effortless yeah you know the way that i mean when you look at how the relationship how we met how it started and then it's like the, you know, these things just kind of evolve. It's really... And the way we've stayed in sync, mm-hmm. Mentation has pivoted, yeah. Colors of the Wood has pivoted yeah. numerous times, and through each of our pivots, we've stayed in sync perfectly yeah. along the yeah. way, and yeah. that's really a cool thing. Yeah. I think some business is who are even eager to work together, if pivots go the wrong way... Mm-hmm. There's not a common ground anymore, and we've always kept such a strong common ground. Yeah, yeah. that's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to talk about this pivot? Um, I sure we can. I, you know, 
that'll lead us into the whole idea of the project, but I think it's fine. It's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Go ahead. That I mean, you, you, t- you, we had a, you talk about the, <laughs> living love project, but I mean, it's, it's interesting because when you say that, well, yeah, so that you're you, in sync, yeah. synchronicity, he's, yeah. he's, oh, yeah, he's that's, developing well, that's great. the hearts yeah. and it's like, well, we have a live and love project that we're working on sure. right now. And before when, our minds came together well, yeah. on yeah. that, yeah. we were independently right. creating something yeah. that was already amazing going out to where the cameras have been amazing. Yeah, it's very <laughs> exciting. So, so the the Live Love Project was um, so this is for more more for our audience to kind of uh, so we, yeah. Um, so, I mean, so I. So with everything going on in the world today, presently, you know, um, one of the things that of the many things that we hear, but the kind of the consistency you hear is about at the, at the core, we have to get back to love, you know, at the core of it, at the, at the very core of it, we need to get back to living love and living love in terms of a verb and, and kind of making that akin to these acts of kindness and loving one another and, you know, when you strip away all the layers of color and religion and ethnicity and all of that, and you get down to bare bones, bare bones, it's about mm-hmm. love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so years ago, many years ago, uh, when I started, I was probably, I don't know, probably nine, 18, 19 years old. Um, I had a mentor of mine who wrote a, a, a very beautiful piece uh, of writing, and it was called Living Love Every Moment of My Life. And um, synchronicities, again, you know, you fast forward so many years later and I'm cleaning out the garage and he had a program called Probe. And, and at any rate, um, I came across the binder of things that, um, that he was involved with and that I was involved with at the time. And this piece of writing came out, literally just kind of dropped out of the binder. It did. It literally dropped out. And I'm going living love every moment of your life. And I read that. And it was so moving to me. It was moving to me at the time, years ago when I first read it. When I first heard it, it brought tears to my eyes. And so I thought, oh, my God, this is just, this is perfect timing. Yeah. And so I shared it with Maria and, and Deborah because we're always sharing with each other. And I said, what do you guys think about this? You know, And they both were like, wow, that's really powerful. And the next thing that came to mind was, well, I think we could take something and do something with this, like, We'll call this the the Live Love Project. Live Love Project. Um, so we decided that what we would do is is start working on this writing a little bit and and you know updating it and making it more current because it was written back in the eighties and things of that sort. So we started working on that and, and then we have a, another partner with us, Jack Spivey, who does the music. So we thought, geez, you know, why don't we match this with 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 some music and. Maria said, you know, we could do a video too. And so Maria was like, okay, we're going to do this. Maria's like, I love video. I'll do, let's, let's work on a video piece of it. And Michael, you could do the voice and Maria can work on the video and Jack can do the, the music track. And it's like, okay, well, let's put this together and live love project, put it out there. I think it's a great message that the world needs to hear right now. So then we, we <laughs> so then as Bobby, we always share ideas. Oh, like when any one of us, whether it's Maria or myself or whatever, and we get and, and we run across Bobby or we were in downtown North or we stop in a store or whatever, 
we're like, hey, you know, Bobby's like, what are you guys doing now? And we're like, well, we did a pivot. We got a project we're working on. And and it's what's that? And it's like it's a live love project, and we're in and you know it has to do with the heart. And it, and Bobby goes hearts. <laughs> <laughs> I've been making those during the entire quarantine. <laughs> so, so pick up Amazing. your so so Bobby's like I've been making hearts. I and and I'm like what? And he goes and and Bobby said Bobby said yeah like maybe we could do something together. Sorry. You know maybe we could do something together. And I'm going like. Yeah, yeah, you think <laughs> so. So that's where that's where we converged. But yeah. just as to kind of sidestep back a little bit, talk about how you came, like yeah. how you came to actually making hearts. Yeah, which was during the quarantine period. It's which- crazy. I mean, at the same time as you were discovering this writing and this project, I was at home. Our store was closed during the quarantine, during the shutdown, and I needed a little tangible project that I could use to just try and spread some happiness and some love. So I started laser engraving these little one and a half and two inch hearts um, out of wood. And I put them up on our website and our Facebook page for as inexpensively as I could to just try and get as many out in the world. And people's reaction to them was so strong. It just gives somebody something tangible, a physical thing to assign that emotion, to assign that yeah. love to. Carries that energy. And yeah. hope. Hope. Absolutely. And hope and love. Yeah. yeah. I'm such a proponent of just a small physical, whatever it may be, even though you know that there's not maybe a real connection in the sense of the word um there's still an emotional connection a link between things Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. and so my thought was so maybe you know somebody in the hospital maybe you know somebody in a nursing home maybe you know somebody across the country that you just can't be with you can send them a heart and every time they touch that heart they're connected with you when my son was in the NICU we had to leave our baby every single night and drive 30 miles away and go home and go to bed. And so we bought two stuffed animals. We had little monkeys. There was a big monkey and a little monkey. The big monkey stayed with him, and that was mommy and daddy. And the little monkey came home with us every day. And that's kind of what I I had been working with this for a few years based on the emotion we were able to assign to those stuffed animals and feeling like we were with our son Mm -hmm. in the hospital room. Why can't something like a beautiful wooden heart connect people however it is that they have to yeah, be apart? Yeah. And and then when we started talking, <laughs> so it was just like crazy yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. that like we had been completely separately working on the same thing. Yeah, the synchronicity. <laughs> same energy. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. It's incredible. So, so stay tuned to that because there's much more coming as we as we we're, we're right in the middle of building the project, um, the Live Love project and the video. And we'll be releasing that uh, fairly soon, probably right around the holidays time. And um, and the hearts will be integrated into that. And that'll be Bobby's work as well. We'll be sharing that. So more of that to come. So it should be, uh, it should be really a, a cool project and a, and a great movement. We're hoping that it really yeah. picks up and, and people really get involved with it. Agreed. Um, well, yeah. I think Agreed. everyone would love it. It's something, it's a piece of what we need right now. Absolutely. It's a humanistic, like it, it, it represents love. It represents something that's intangible, like that you can't see, but this makes it concrete. It like, it keeps you mindful 
of and I, and I, you know and, and and just to pick up on that, so Deborah, beautiful. I think what Thank you. I think what really plays um, a good example of that. Um, okay, I'm gonna, I'm looking at you, Bobby, because <laughs> you're going to help me here. So this yeah. this was. Not too long ago, in front oh, of your store, sure. yep. your wallet when dropped. We were getting was a it? coffee together. Yeah. yeah. So, so um, just kind of a cool example of like how to use the hearts and how I think that they can benefit um, just the experiences you have with other people. Michael and I were um, at Tuscan Cafe, a local coffee shop here, and we were just chatting it up. Sitting we outside. Uh, yeah, sitting outside. We hadn't been able to catch up in some time um, with all the quarantines and everything, and so we're talking and talking and talking. And there's two ladies sitting behind us, and one of them interrupts me um, to let me know that my wallet had fallen out of my pocket. It's laying on the ground. Yeah, it was oh. just on the ground. I did not notice. Seen it? No. I yeah. may or may not have noticed by the yeah. time I get up. But she still was willing to interrupt us in order to tell me that my wallet had fallen. And I thought that was really nice because a lot of people may not. They might just right. assume you're going to see it when you get up. Um, but the fact that she actually told me was really great. Um, so I was opening my store um, just a few feet away um, about 15 minutes later, and the ladies were still sitting there. Um, so I went in and I grabbed a heart and I brought it out just to give to her and thank her for letting me know that my wallet fell. Um, in the hopes that then she'd remember that good deed and yeah, yeah. continue to to bring good deeds on the world like that. And she right away was <laughs> extremely grateful and pulled all these cards out of her pocket. Yeah, little and, the, like little two by twos, right? Yeah, you know, just, just small cards. like card stock cards. Um, and they had different phrases on them, um, like faith and love and carpe diem. And she was like, pick one. I was like, <laughs> okay, great. Carpe diem. That's awesome. And Keep I brought it back. Going. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I shared awesome. that with Michael. He was still in the store. He was holding it down for me. And like that connection would have never happened had she not just gone out of her way to do a small favor for me. Right. And then I, I just believe that then when you can reward is the wrong word, but when you can show appreciation yeah. Yeah. for something like that with something physical, then you have this reminder yeah. of that in the world. I think people, even with the very best intentions, it's easy to get caught up in mm -hmm. everything and yeah. forget your general mission, your general, what you're trying to portray in the world. But if you have this physical thing on your key ring or in exactly. your car, in your it's house, mindful. you have that reminder every yep. day of that good deed of continuing to do that. Well, it seems like the energy has certainly picked up on this and is, is moving forward with it, that, that the collective energy of love, live love, and, and to be mindful of being kind to one another, to get back to that humanistic part of human beings, being human. Absolutely. Um, so I was just blown away when he told me about yeah. that. It's like, oh, so I'm really excited. Yeah. It's, it's the universe. And that's just one yeah. example of so many, I, yeah. I think. I mean, people do unnoticed good deeds in the world. All the time. Millions of times a day. Right. Why can't we notice more of those? Instead of the bad. <laughs> I totally agree. Because if you look at the news, they don't focus on all the wonderful things, like the hearts 
that yeah. you're giving away or or the the good things they're they're focusing on the deaths and yeah. and and all the to tragedy in the world so this is this is yeah. hope and i'm I, I just i love the whole s- yeah Absolutely. And and I'm fortunate now in a retail environment um, where I sell my work. These people come to my store from all over the state, Ohio, Indiana even, and they're supporting me. And so I make these hearts. And a lot of times when I have a great connection with someone in the store, at the end of their – their visit when I'm ringing up their transaction, I always give them a free heart. And I just say, thank you. Like you went out of your way to drive all the way here and support me by purchasing the thing I made. And now you're sharing that with someone else. And so to be able to like directly thank people and see that reaction over and over again, like I've been able to in my store, it's made me believe in these so much more even because it's funny, like somebody will buy a nice cutting board for themselves. And at the end of the transaction, I'll give them a heart. And they take away from that the heart as much as they take away mm-hmm. the more expensive cutting board because it's that gesture. It's that, it's that show of appreciation for appreciating me and supporting me. And I just think that's, I will never tire of those connections in the store. I'm lucky I was saying to Michael just yesterday, I have two very different hats in what I do. I have days where I am dirty and covered in sawdust and completely (laughs) alone in my own head in the workshop. (laughs) And then I have other days in the store where I can just talk and connect with people all day. And having that balance for me is so Mm -hmm. important. I couldn't imagine a world where I'm only in the workshop just building. I need to be able to connect with the people and see the reaction to my work and see how that impacts people. That's what's so fun. And I think that's what ties back into the, the, the project we're working on and you're involved with now too is the Live Love Project is the idea of, it, it is that, you know, the idea of living love is the idea of these small acts of kindness and that we we connect with people and we, and that's what, you know, it's that energy that we want to, it's that movement, right? It's Absolutely. the movement that we want that, that where people start, being reminded of who we are, right? I mean, Absolutely. who are we at, at our core? Absolutely. We love at our core. And so, you guys for recognizing that yeah, and yeah. seeing that that's out there and finding a project and a path to promote it. And that people get connected to that and, and want to be part of that. You know, they want to be part of that ability to be able to pass that on. And so now you're thinking about it. Like this kind of gets back to what you were saying about having the, the physical piece, but actually thinking about it. So thinking about that, because they're just as an example about that wallet, you know, how many times were someone might just walk past and see the wallet on the ground, just walk past it. Yeah, they'll figure know, it out. They'll figure it out or, <laughs> yeah. or not. Right? <laughs> yeah, but the sure. idea is that when, when you raise the consciousness through movements like this, when you raise the consciousness and they look at it and they think like, Oh my God, that would be an act of love. That, that would be, that would be living love. I, I, I heard about that living love and it's like, Hey, by the way, your wallet's on the ground. Hey man, thanks a lot for doing that. You know what I mean? And, and we can build that to where now that becomes the focus and the predominance of what people are doing and not all the negativity, which, you know, can take over your life and, and really stunt your, your own personal growth where now you kind of help people connect and grow. 
in this way. So. Well, this is like one of our touchstones is mindfulness. Mm-hmm. So it it is a mindfulness tool to cultivate love. Absolutely. So that it's it's just oh yeah, or even to say for people even to say hey Michael that's really a cool heart or Maria that's a really cool heart that you've got where what is that right to start that conversation sure absolutely I don't it's just. The whole thing came, it's, it's just moving in a nice direction. I really like <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. One qu- I know, I know that you're making the hearts, but during this time, um, of the COVID, how are you able to, or how did you pivot again with your business? Because I'm sure that this hasn't been easy. Sure. Well, I mean, the, the truth is we, what I build is, 95% of the time a gift. Um, we're very much in the gift market, um, for weddings specifically. Um, so when the virus hit and people had to cancel weddings, that really impacted us, um, in a selfish way, because honestly, I didn't have as many wedding projects, but people were canceling their weddings. Like I always felt kind of awkward when people come into my store and they'd be like, how is it for you guys? Has it been hard? And it's like, yes, but I didn't have to cancel a wedding. I didn't have like these big emotional things that I had to pivot away from. (laughs) Yeah. So I just felt like I'll be okay. I would rather struggle with my business for a little while than like have to tell every single one of my friends and family that they can't celebrate my wedding. I think that's so much harder. Um, but, but in that, um, one pivot we saw that was kind of funny is that in the previous two years, every single wedding we gift we did, with a few exceptions, we would always laser engrave the whole wedding date, October 11th, oh. whatever it is, um, the whole date. This year, 95% of the wedding gifts we've done established 2020 <laughs> because no one knows when anyone's actually <laughs> oh, getting married right, anymore. Right. I've had friends who have moved their wedding dates two, three times. Yeah. And so you just don't know. So we've done a lot of wedding gifts that are established 2020. Hopefully they can pull it off by the end of the year. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, so it's been kind of, it's been kind of fun to adapt with people on that. And then for the first time, we've had a lot more people buying boards for themselves, which has been fun. I've been specifically focused on building bigger, um, more heavy duty cutting boards that people buy for their own kitchen. One of the really cool kind of takeaways from the quarantine is that people started cooking and refinding their kitchens and their ability to create really wonderful food. So as people started cooking at home more, we've found that for the first time, more in volume, we're selling our boards directly to the consumer who are using that in their own space. And so that was kind of a cool pivot to Mm -hmm. recognize and to say, okay, maybe we don't need as many of this type of board right now. Let's focus over the next month on making these bigger boards um, that people are going to have in their own home. That's pretty cool Um, how you like kind of monitor that. Like you're kind of, you know, watching what kind of develops and, you Mm -hmm. know, where, where, where you might, you know, capitalize on something that might that otherwise, you know, and it happens intentionally and accidentally all at the same time. Um, during the quarantine, I didn't really realize that that shift was happening. It wasn't until after three months that we reopened the store 
people would come into the store and they would say, what is the biggest cutting board you have? I need it for my kitchen. <laughs> How and big I do you want like, it, right? Yeah, but the, only, the, the biggest ones I have right now aren't that big. <laughs> I, I better start making yeah. some bigger, more heavy-duty du- boards. What is and big? then in the next few weeks, um, yeah, so um, – before this, I would say some of our bigger sizes of boards were 12 by 16 inches. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we just found as like general inventory in the store, selling something bigger than that was kind of tough because it was more of a commitment for people. But now that they're cooking at home more, we're making boards that are 18 by 20, um, 14 by 24 even. Okay. Um, so, I mean, we're, we're making boards that really fill the counter space now. And then that becomes that person that that board never leaves their countertop. It stays right next to their sink and they scrape the food in and they wash it. And the next time they cook, they use that yeah. same board. So it's been cool. It's It's been cool to see that transition. I think uh, out of everything with this virus and with the world changing, I think it's the people who are willing to embrace it and adapt mm-hmm. and pivot. Um, we've used that word a little bit. I think that oppor- there's a lot of really cool opportunity right now to just approach things in a different way. And if you're willing to approach in a different way, I think, I think it'll benefit you. I think it's really a great awareness um, sure when, when, you know, like you can really, it, it really becomes a mindset, right? I mean, when you can say like mm-hmm. what you just described is a mindset like, yeah. and, and so your, your brain is going to function however you frame mm-hmm. the experience that you're looking at. Right. So sure. if I'm looking at this whole pandemic, yeah, and and not to minimize the severity of it, I'm not doing that, but you can look at that through different lenses. Absolutely. And depending on the lens that you're looking through can really change an outcome, whether that's a, a really positive or innovative outcome versus something yeah. that is, you know, more destructive. Absolutely. Um, and And so I know that while, you know, you have on one side of it the severity and we're not – you know, there's people that have gone through a deep, deep emotional struggles with it. Yes, that's very true. But there's other areas like a business, for example, sure. where you say, okay, well, businesses you know, are forced to approach it right, a little right. bit differently. So, right. So yeah. how am I going to, or how or what can I do? And that opens up a whole new level of creativity. Yeah. That you otherwise, uh, you or any other business might not otherwise have had that opportunity. So on that note, I, I remember sharing it with you shortly after a conversation I had with a gentleman about a month into the quarantine. Um, there's a, a guy locally in town who I just connect with on business ideas and, and that type of thing from time to time. And he said, what can you do right now? That in three years, you'll look back and you'll say that the pandemic was the best thing that ha- mm-hmm. that could have happened to your mm-hmm. business. And I thought that was such a cool mindset because yeah. it's so easy to think like this is gonna, this is gonna right. hurt us. Right. This yeah. is gonna make things harder. But there's also so many things you can do that like, I might not be making those bigger boards. I might not have all these hearts right now right. if this didn't happen. And long term, those things can really benefit not just my business, but others. Right. right. And that's what's such a cool thing yeah. is finding that silver lining. Yeah. It's there. It's always there. Yeah. You just got to seek yeah. it out. Yeah. <laughs> so good. There's so many things that I think about when, when you say that, Bobby, in terms of even when I think about um, a startup. And, I, you know, Maria has a lot of experience in startups and this idea that, you know, you start a company 
Um, and you, you have to think about a lot of different things um, into, you know, what's our audience, what's our market, what direction are we going in? And it sounds like you've been able to pay attention to the shifting tides enough to where your, your, you know, your base is speaking to you um, in ways that you can make those kind of adjustments and then deliver the things that they're, they're looking to deliver. And he's listening. Absolutely. And he's listening, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Yeah. That's key in anything in life. Yeah. Anything. So <laughs> as we're kind of beginning to wrap up um, today, I mean, gosh, it's been close wonderful. to an hour, man. It's, it's just <laughs> it's funny how that goes. Go, right? <laughs> I think it would fly by, but... Um, I just share with the audience that, you know, we'll put Bobby's information in our show notes for you that, that you'll have that. Um, I encourage you to visit his website because it is amazing, his work that you do. But I think even deeper, you know, in, in our kind of where our discussion led today, it's just more, it's clear, like, this is more than just a woodworking company. It's like sure. there's there's deeper things at work here that you know, you're affecting lives um, through your products and through the woodworking that you're doing, but affecting lives in a, in a very deep way in a lot of ways. Thank you. Um, what kind of, do you, you know, and not to put you on the spot here, but yeah. I mean, are there kind of some things that you think about going down the road that, that you want to share or, or not? But, yeah. you know, kind of like what's the next thing for Colors of the Wood? That's a loaded question. Um, Other than but, having your boys but, help you. <laughs> yeah, honestly. I have, I have two boys at home now. I have a three-and-a-half-year-old and a, a six-month-old. And I would not be heartbroken if they wanted to carry on the right. business someday. Not going to make them, but it would be pretty right. cool. Um, but no, honestly, I think uh, just continuing to adapt mm. and to see what people see your business as and what they want out of it mm-hmm. and those connections um, – um, I, I think it sounds cliche sometimes, but the connections that this business has afforded me mm. are as valuable, if not more, than the building yeah, and the yeah. selfish yes. being able to do my own thing um, that that's afforded me. I think it's so cool. Like, I wouldn't be sitting here right now talking to you guys if I wasn't a woodworker, if right. that didn't start this right. chain. And then when we got our store in Northville and that allowed us to connect with other businesses in town and have personal connections with the owners of restaurants and businesses that we've been patrons of for years. Yeah. Um, so I'm very fortunate for that, to be able to see the mm-hmm. community in a different way now and hopefully give back to the community mm-hmm. in a different way too. So I really like that. It kind of brings us back how we started this whole, uh, you know, this whole show was, uh, it was really about, in which we talk about in Mitation is really about finding joy, yeah. finding that joy and balance in your life and work and what you do, because when you do that, good things will emerge for you. And, Absolutely. And it's nice to... And have, everyone's yeah. joy is different. And yes, I think that's, that's right. what's yes. so fun. Yes. Like yes. my joy is woodworking and connecting with people. Right. My father, his joy is music. Mm-hmm. Um, my father-in-law um, was a tax professional his whole career. I hate taxes, <laughs> but he loves it. That's how his brain yeah. works. Right. And that was where he was able to find his passion and joy. And the fact that we all have yes. that as a different thing. And the key, oh, cool. and the key right, <laughs> is being able to, which you demonstrated, is having the courage to connect to it. Sure. And if you can get through the fear, right, if you Absolutely. can get through the fear and connect to it and trust, and we talk a lot about that, trust, 
it will work for you. Absolutely. It will work for you. I, I believe in that firmly. Yeah. And that's not to say there's not going to be ups sure. and downs oh, throughout course, the course. course. There's going to be a lot of ups, but, right. but as you get over each yeah. of those, it's more and more meaningful yeah. each yeah. time you do. Bobby, it's it's been a, a joy, I know, thank for you. Maria and, and yeah. Deb. It's just been Likewise. awesome. Thank so you. thank you so yeah. much. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll continue. We'll keep everybody updated on how everything goes. Yeah, I yeah. appreciate that. Thanks so much, yeah, you guys. Thanks this for being wonderful. here. Okay, thank take you. care. Yeah.